0: Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, Old Time Music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friends are Amelia and Dirk Powell, with special guest friends Jason Cipher and River Shirelle. We recorded this last week in Bellevue, Washington on the last evening of Wintergrass. Just a quick word to my banjo-playing listeners before we get started. I'm teaching two four-part workshops this spring. A beginner series called Intro to Double C Tuning, and an advanced series called Clawhammer Rags in C. That's right, I know some of you claim to not like rags because they're challenging to claw hammer. You go get a beer when they're called at the jam. But I think by the end of this series, you'll be saying that you do like rags and that you'll play them in a boat with a goat or in a box with a fox. There are limited spots available, so sign up now and get the early bird rate at camerondewitt.com store, which is linked in the show notes. Stick around afterwards to hear how to keep up with Amelia and Dirk Powell, but first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. <laughs> Amelia and Dirk Powell, welcome to get up the cool. Welcome yeah. also Jason Cipher and returning River Sherelle, who happened to be here. Yes, the, yeah, the dredges so. of wintergrass. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, the last whole <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's where all the all the good juices. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I didn't think I would have that much energy. Thank you for facilitating. I know. That. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Whoa, all right. Cool. <laughs> you, you pulled it out of me. Yeah. Hey, there Wonderful. you go. <laughs> Zerk, I've wanted to have you on the show for a really long time uh, because I've listened to your music for a long time. The first time I saw you it wasn't that long ago, but it was must have been in Philly in like 2017 or something when you came through with Riley Vargas. Right, and uh, I just remember seeing you on that stage, and you you had the most precarious minefield of instruments all over no stands to be seen there were accordions and fiddles and banjos and and you all were tiptoeing around it was so tense (laughs) but every time you played your music it relaxed me because uh it was so lovely so that um those wide tonal shifts were so exciting yes
1: well, I keep thinking I'm going to bring less instruments. I keep thinking, this well, time I'm just going to bring one thing and just do that. But it's it's so hard because the different flavors are also unique and and strong. And you know, it's like yeah. there's that one song with the accordion. It's just like you want to you want to do it. You know, yeah.
0: how many did you bring here to Wintergrass?
1: I brought two accordions, a banjo, a fiddle, and an electric guitar. Where did
0: you <laughs> put <on? laughs> did You have a larger box that you
2: check. Right, oh that's, gosh. That's
1: I just lot. it's like. Luckily, I have these uh, little accordion cases that are almost like a laptop case. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, I can either bring, like, just a laptop, or I can bring a laptop in an accordion case with an accordion. Oh, very good. So those are small enough. You that
0: consolidate.
3: They're... Yeah. And a lot of the time, get a text the day before the day of the flight, like, would you mind carrying on an accordion as one of your carry-ons? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. So you get help as well. Yeah. Yes. Very
0: good. Yes. <laughs> very good. What I typically like to ask my guests first is. Where did you get that tune? Where did you first hear Greasy code?
1: That tune is just one I heard kind of on the festival circuit back in the day, like probably in the eighties, you know, sometime back in there or maybe early nineties. It's just one that I really like to play. And it's funny how tunes are with, you know, certain chords and things. That one I really like to play the second part, with those kind of chords or going to the four just a one four or one five kind of a thing, which yeah. isn't what everybody does. Right. But to me it makes it really fun to play and, and special and unique. It gives it a, a thing that I really enjoy playing.
0: As opposed to what going to the the seven,
1: yeah, the seven, right, or ignoring it or something. Yeah, it's more like putting it in that oh, form. Yeah, I guess we were all, we we're kind of <laughs> playing this together. That's right. so cool. Yeah, yeah it,
0: it felt really natural. but yeah. I, I wouldn't necessarily have the wouldn't have thought to do that. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's right. that's one of the cool things about old time music in general. Is so much of that relationship from chords to melody and not necessarily matching in a very linear way or in an analytical way but more in a feel way. You know?
0: Yeah, uh, It gets really jazzy really quick in a lot of those source recordings doesn't it? Yeah. I'm, there's being a chord dictated to me in the melody yeah. and then I go for it and the fiddler goes actually play, play a four. Right, you know, right. instead. Yeah. And I'm, oh, oh, thank you.
1: Well that's one of the interesting things too about you know, old time American music or Appalachian music or all the things we're talking about is the amount of rhythm and chord and support for a melody it's this very American kind of balance there where there's like all this rhythm, there's all this, you know, support for one, you know, melody. I mean, the band was playing the melody, but also rhythm chords, everything else too. You know, and we were just in Ireland and it's so interesting that it's the opposite there. It's literally 12 melody instruments Uh and one (laughs) chordal instrument. Yeah. And I just did this gig with these guys from Mali Mm -hmm. at Celtic Connections where, Collaborated with the Trio de Kali, musicians from Mali, straight from you know from there.
0: Were they playing like desert blues and stuff? Uh,
1: yeah, that's they're playing their traditional yeah. stuff. Amazing, and it it it's is okay. the most familiar feeling mm-hmm. of any you know foreign music that I've ever played. That got playing the ngoni, like bass ngoni. It was like a freaking banjo, and these yeah, lines are just nice. like, and it's starting out with a cool line, and then all this improv. The amount of like improv versus tune versus things writing on top of it for repetitiveness where the mm. groove was is by far the most familiar way more than Celtic music to me. I love playing Celtic yeah, music, but as far as, okay, what feels like my music the most, it was way, way more like that. It was really interesting.
0: I, I really appreciate this because there's this, um, I think convenient fallacy that I hear a lot in the old time world, which is like, oh yeah, old time music, melody, from, you know, Europe and from uh, the Isles, you know? Yeah. And then and then rhythms from Africa, you know? Right. it's like, well, actually... Yeah, that's pretty easy. They played melodies in Africa. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they feel a little more American than some yeah. of the, the Celtic ones do. Absolutely. And,
1: and and you can tell some of the difference. Like, yeah, you can tell, okay, this tune, yeah, it came from Ireland, But the other tunes definitely didn't. And, you know, well, they evolved as they did. But, you know, I was just talking, we were talking with Rianne and Giddens, who we both played with the other day. And it's also like... Old-time fiddle tunes have words in them, little as we know, little snaps of words, little phrases, little things, like that. That African music, that Malian music, has that. Like Celtic music doesn't really have melodies. Yeah. They have songs, and then they have tunes. I'm sure somebody will say I'm wrong, but there's not too many tunes where you just spit out a couple yeah. of little lines and then you go on. You know.
0: I never thought of that. You're absolutely right. Uh, I've heard so much African music that is. Tunes with words, yeah. as mm-hmm. opposed yeah. to songs. That's so yeah. lovely.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, and, and I swear to God, those feels. It was just one of the. It's just one of the best feeling, grooves I've ever felt. It's like this is, this is everything I know and love, but also is something I'm experiencing oh. in a different way. It's really cool.
0: Thanks for drawing that connection.
1: Yeah, you're doing my job for me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play another tune. Yeah. Okay. Cool.
0: What's what's up next? Or or sing a song.
1: Do you want I have one request. That's okay. the only. But I want to do it. I'll bring it up later. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to play uh, Jack of Diamonds? Would that be okay? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. absolutely. Which which Jack of Diamonds? I don't really know. I'll Could probably just
3: just, I just do a, me on
1: the fiddle because I change yeah. the parts so randomly, you know. But this is one that's you know special to Amelia and me. Especially, she's got the Jack of Diamonds tattoo on her arm there.
4: Yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Just uh, growing up, playing together. Um, it was a song that always just meant a lot to us, and it's, it's such an anthem, mm. you know. As far as you know, that way you want to live a life. Just want to take down my fiddle, wrestle my bow, make myself welcome wherever I go. It's just a motto for a pretty good life. Yeah, you know, it's
3: like my mantra every yeah. morning <laughs> in the mirror. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one we've loved for a long time, so. <laughs>
4: I've been lonely from old Robbed my poor pockets of my silver i dive to the bottom i never come up but the river ain't whiskey and I ain't no dove, I play these Jack of Diamonds and
1: Thank you.
0: Such a treat playing with your rhythm. Oh, it's thanks. so good. <laughs> thanks. I, I can tell uh, you've, you've had um, good rhythm around you for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, yeah. Raised think,
1: on rhythm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I
3: was in the womb, and this was. <laughs> like- yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, Amelia used to. People used to say, like, you know, oh, you have this little baby on stage, and there's all this music, you know, and she was mm. so just staying awake or is this a good thing. It's like, she would cry when the music stopped. You know what I mean? It wasn't like she was, oh, the music's too loud. It was the opposite. It was like, no, where's
0: the music? Yeah.
1: Love it.
0: Well, there's sort of a podcast within a podcast in here because I'm just asking for advice because I have two children and uh, the older one has been studying uh, Suzuki violin for a while and uh, it's not his favorite thing. And whenever I get to meet... People who were in musical families or people who made musical families. I want to ask them both, uh, how did you make sure that everyone still liked music at the end of the day and it wasn't uh, a traumatic or pressure-oriented thing Mm -hmm. and it was still a joy-oriented thing? Yeah. Uh, You go first. Okay, yeah. (laughs) And I know you're both here together and we can have some, uh, you know, I can cross examine you right <laughs> we'll yeah. Zoom yeah. yeah yeah,
3: exactly yeah. and we're like i have more um but yeah i i never felt pressure from my mom or dad to play music ever um i think i just you know i didn't play when i was super young i don't know when i picked i may, mean, i guess I picked up a guitar like four or seven but i wasn't one of those kids you know two years old and they were like okay like learn a G chord and like, you know, like it wasn't a lot of that. Um, I definitely felt like I had, there's always been some pressure, especially living in Louisiana. You know, my mom's Christine Balfa and her father was Dewey Balfa of the Balfa brothers. And so back home, you know, they're kind of these legends that I never actually got the chance to meet, but, Mm. um, they mean a lot to a lot of people back home. And so I always just had, you know, as long as I can remember, a lot of people telling me, you have this legacy. I've been, you, you are Cajun royalty, you know, you got to carry this on. You realize the torch that you have to carry. So and it no was
0: pressure a, from mom or dad, but basically the most pressure in the world from your entire community. From the rest yeah. of them. But <laughs> my shit.
3: mom and dad were always just like, my mom had been through the same thing yeah. so much too, because it was bet. her dad. And they were just always like. You know, I mean, however you tell a kid, like, screw that. You know, they were just Mm. like, those people don't, if I ever was like, mommy, daddy, like somebody sent me, they were like, like, those people, it's great that the music means something to them, but they don't know you and they don't know, like, you don't, you can do whatever you want. Mm. If you want to play the music, play it. If you want to play different music, awesome. It was, I was always welcome to join any jam all the time. And there was always instruments lying around for me to pick up, but I was never told that I had to, or made to feel like I yeah. should. You know, which is cool, I think. I love that. Yeah.
0: It sounds like your mom already knew what it was like It was like, We are not doing this again. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, yeah. not again. It was a shield. Yes. Yeah. 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 Appreciate that.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. And it's interesting too because Amelia's sister Sophie is also a great musician. She plays fiddle and guitar and piano and sings great. She has no desire to be on stage, Mm. no desire to do it for anybody else and and that kind of pressure, zero response to that and also no need to prove anything you know, years ago we would play more together and she's just like, that's just not me. And that's, that's great. I love that so much. She feels no need to do something because she can, because she, she can't, but she doesn't feel a need at all. And sometimes they'll do some duet gigs and sometimes Mm -hmm. she'll do something. She'll get up and sing harmony. But her response to that kind of pressure was, no, I'm me. Like, and, I, and I tell them that. I say, you know, especially in terms of, okay, you know, Dewey Balfa is famous at home. Your grandfather is famous in that way. But those people think they know who he was. They think they know what he was. Hmm. They think they understand that it means something, and that's fine. They are allowed to have that image of him. Yeah. But you actually are that, yeah. whether you ever play a note or not that's you, that's flowing through you. It doesn't matter what you do or mm-hmm. don't do. That's the essence of your, you know, your soul is coming from your family. And, you know, in terms of playing, I always felt like, kind of what Amelia said, giving access to instruments, being around it, here it all is, no pressure. And I felt like when Amelia started to have something to express and needing an outlet and, and things that needed to come out, you know, and things to experience, it was there, you know, and that was beautiful. I felt like when that moment, I mean, that may not happen at eight or people put sure. pressure on kids. That may happen at, you know, 11 or 12 when you probably started playing more.
3: Yeah. You know? Yeah. The piano. I just think about that age or whatever. Just thinking about in middle school coming home and I would just like get on the piano and just like scream. I gave myself notes as a teenager. I would just like get on the piano and just like. Scream, sing, you know, do you for she hours. Would sing
0: on the piano. At, the middle I school. would
3: sing. Um, oh, what was that one song? She used to be mine. That's Sara Bareilles' song. Yeah,
0: from Waitress. Yeah. Okay. That song. I was wondering if we were talking <laughs> piano pop, mid aughts piano there pop. Was, yes. There was there was yes. a lot of a lot of <laughs> girl it.
3: pop, a yeah. lot of that. Yes. So good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and they let me, which was cool, until it was like time to do the chores, and then I had to stop.
1: Well, yeah. I was never too good with that, that call either. You never made me
3: stop. <laughs> like, my mom, my mom was yeah, like, 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 okay, the, the dishes have been in the sink for like four yeah. hours. But I am practicing. practicing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, let's play another yeah. song. Yeah. Let's
1: do it. So you want to play like Breaking Up Christmas or something? Sure, yeah. Oh, great. Just rockin' A coming um, tune. Good. Yeah. Cool.
0: I will do this tune every episode. Right. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> just yeah. I want to put it out there. Yeah. Some tunes need yeah. to be retired, you know, on the show no, no, it's
3: Not not yeah. got this, so. mm-hmm. I do want to say Suzuki is so cool. I didn't do it, but I've taught or helped like assist teach at the yeah. Suzuki camp back mm. home and those kids are incredible. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of insane how because it's not just like classical, oh they can read music. Their ears are so so good. I think it's cool. Anytime I hear that a kid's in Suzuki, I'm like, that's awesome. Mm. I just think that's gonna serve you well. For classical or not, you know. Yeah. Just anyway, cool. That is a comment on that. There you go. <laughs> Love that. Suzuki yeah. Suzuki comment over.
4: Long time ago, you'll folks then-
0: Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. I swear. I didn't get yeah. have a breaking up Christmas party. That was where oh, so it was is. on in. Great. Perfect. So good. Jason, when did you start playing with Dirk?
2: I probably started playing with Dirk before we knew, I knew he was Dirk and he knew I was Jason. Like, I think, um, maybe 90, what? 91. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were very small children at that time. We were really young. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just toddlers. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Already playing. <laughs> yeah. We were around
1: a lot of the same scenes, you know, like Mount Airy, Fiddler's Convention, you know, Galaxy, and that whole mm. old-time yeah. community, in that kind of yeah. world. Playing yeah. music.
0: Did you Did you grow up playing string band music, Jason? No,
2: not at all. Not at all? No, I was traveling through the South. I was going from New Orleans to Maine, and I heard about someone told me about this thing called galax and i went there not knowing what it was i stumbled in and i walked around i was like what is this <laughs> you know and about three days i walked around like couldn't find my people i couldn't find it i was like it was nice it was interesting it was bluegrass uh-huh. um that's a sticker it was nice it was interesting it was bluegrass <laughs> and then one night and then one night i heard this group of people i heard in the dark like you know with a candlelit uh, tent, and I went in there and I just like found old-time music, and those people are all of our friends. I like mm. you know, just inserted myself into there, whether I knew how to play it or not, and that's how I met everybody.
0: What, what so a cool. lovely confirmation bias. Like, <laughs> that's like, you know, I'm so biased, but it's like, yeah, that's how I feel too. I mean, yeah. it was, yeah,
2: it's like a National Geographic story, you
0: know. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see it was candlelit? Yeah, it was, ca- oh, oh yeah, 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 it's a long story. <laughs> <It's
2: so laughs> these, awesome. these particular people like had tie-dyes and candles and yeah. like award-winning vegetables. Like So right. there was, oh, right, right, there was right. this cornucopia feeling when I found them with the candle and this music they were playing like Breaking Up Christmas or something and I was, my mind was blown. Like the abundance hmm. of, the, of what I was hearing and seeing was just like, well, I'm not leaving this. Sounds like you fell in this. a fairy yeah, ring. So yeah, I did. I did kind yeah. of. Bobville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's right, a bit right. of a, yeah.
1: Isn't it amazing, and then like what music and that music has brought to your life? And just oh, the gifts are just that endless. Was a total, you
2: know? I was a New Orleans player playing jazz and, and on bass. Yeah, yeah. And and like I ran into that, and then everything just went this way. You know, yeah. I totally changed everything. Mm. Yeah.
0: I was hoping, and you can absolutely say no to this if it doesn't feel feel right. But um, in your last record. Uh, you had this really thoughtful song about your relationship with Murder Balance. Right. And I... This isn't usually a a songwriter podcast. Right. But I thought... I think it would be so great. Just in case any of my uh, listeners haven't yet heard that song and want to hear it here because I really appreciate the ideas in the song and the way that you present them and it's so... In an age of a lot of like turmoil and anger and, you know, I think good fights that we need to be having, mm. I really appreciated the way that you presented this sort of, you know, personal choice. Uh, that's
1: that's good to hear, you know. It's been interesting navigating that. You know, the song is called I Ain't Playing Pretty Polly and my grandfather played Pretty Polly and he played a really unique version of it that I never heard anybody else play with different chords and it was mm. beautiful and so it was like... I wanted to play that song. Here's something I got from my grandfather that's so special. And I would sing it, and I remembered when Amelia and Sophie, you know, were young, singing these murder ballads about this woman getting, you know, stabbed through the heart and and just the blood flowing and left in the dirt. And I remember them looking at me like, "Why is that okay?" Yeah. And and the adults just going on and singing it like it was great, and them kind of going, "Okay, I guess it's I guess it's okay." And the amount of times people have said, oh, well, those are just words, or that's just old, or, right. or other people taking a difference. Well, actually, no, it's a warning to not you know, right. go with a man. And so there's all these takes on it. And for me, especially, I will be honest, in the, the era of the last six years in America, the idea that I would give more time and more glory to a man who would kill a woman with what was going on in this country just the vibe I was like how could I give one more second of my precious life to glorifying that like drunken male violence you know and, and, and all that and the first time I ever sang it I had people come up to me in tears afterwards and just say thank you and I've had like victims of domestic violence really thank me for it and I've had other people walk out you know I had people walk out on that song and for me if I have one victim of domestic violence, thank me. Then, ten thousand people can walk out of yeah. that. Sorry, I don't yeah. care. Somebody who's actually lived it, and you're going to come at it with all these theories, you know. And I also feel like people can do whatever they want. I don't, you know. There's, there literally are some, you know, there are some things that I would say to somebody. This is not open for interpretation. You can't say that. Sure. Of course. You know. Yeah. And this, I don't necessarily feel like I can say to somebody like you can't sing that song I'm not saying that at all I'm yeah. saying I understand that there are multiple interpretations of this
0: right.
1: world and that's fine but for me I was singing it in a sound check one day and I just felt the words come out of my mouth I was halfway through the song singing he stabbed her through the heart and her heart's blood did flow and into the, the whole pretty poly did go or whatever and I literally just stopped halfway through those words come out of my mouth and I said I'm never singing this song again
0: yeah
1: and I never have and I'm not going to you know and it's partly because as I sing in the song I do know the stories of people like my uncle Clyde and my aunt Myrtle who yeah. were married for 70 years who I sing about in the song and like, why wouldn't I tell that story
0: yeah.
1: I want to tell that story Yeah, like that's the one I want to tell you know
0: Yeah. So I, I really appreciate that I think the uh The the whole depiction versus endorsement, you know, argument. I think there's a lot of legitimacy to it. And I I appreciate the people who want to have that discourse and who want to find ways to continue playing things that are uh, upsetting or challenging or triggering. However, um, I think something I don't hear people talking about is, it's like, can I stomach it? Right. Right. And... And I think people are afraid to, like, actually feel what the song is about. Yeah. And if you allow yourself to actually be moved by the music and you are and you can stomach it and you want to keep doing it, I think that means something alarming, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Anyway. It's interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I played for 10 years with John Baez, right? You know, toured with her. It was like family. But when I wrote that song, I played it for her, she was kind of like, Joking, like, oh, we're not going to have anything left. You know, like, you know, <laughs> uh, like these old murder ballads and she likes to sing, like, Silver right? Dagger or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, her her take on it was, like, that, kind of funny. Like, okay, well, you know. And I did get accused, like, in the paper, in an interview, like, you know, Dirk Powell might be the last person you thought would be part of cancel culture, but blah, 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 blah. Ah, so infuriating. And it was just, like, I'm just fine with it all. Yeah. I, I get that people have different takes on it, and it's just, like, yeah, it's personal. It's, like... I'm not, I'm not giving my energy to that. I got a limited amount in my life, you know? Why would I do it? So that's just me. Why? Well, I, I would love to just listen okay. to this one.
4: my papa played me some. He'd sing that pretty Polly. I'd listen all night long. Those sounds went straight into my soul, sitting on his cabin floor. But I. before
0: song means a lot to me um because uh I, I i was brought up as a boy um even though i'm not, I'm not one yeah. and uh i was taught to normalize violence so much and to not be able to discern from when violence is to be celebrated or when it is to be condemned and those lines were never you know made clear for me uh and especially by the by the men in right. my life and yeah. uh,
1: yeah, it, it really means a lot to me. I'm really glad to hear you say that. And it also as so. someone who's raising a voice, so thank you. Yeah, that really means a lot to me for you to say <laughs> that. That's that's what you hope. You write a song and you try to take a chance and you put your heart in, into something and you hope that somebody responds like yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Well, uh, this is the part of the show where we normally talk about uh, where people go to follow your music and buy your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the business yeah. part. okay. <laughs>
3: Plug it. (laughs) Plug
0: plug in time. Yeah. Where where do people go?
1: Well, it's so interesting these days with the music business and things are so unusual. And I do have, you know, CDs. We have records that we made. I had a record come out called When I Wait For You that came out a couple years ago. And I'm working on another one right now called Wake that I'm excited about. And it's kind of my interpretation of different meanings for the word wake, like the wake of a ship. That you leave behind you this trail that you leave in the water you know is it yeah. riotous and upsetting all the other boats or is it just barely discernible and then it fades and what is that you know and also waking to the present and the moment sunrise and uh, awaking yeah. and also the wake of at the end of life when you celebrate somebody who's gone on you know so to me this word is just like uh, all these things together so I'm, I'm working on that record which will be out sometime but in general You know, nobody wants to recommend, you know, Spotify or iTunes because people don't get paid. Yeah. You know, if you want to get one of my CDs, then you can go online and track me down. (laughs) That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, This has been a long weekend and you all have been so busy. And it seems like you've said yes to everything that's been thrown at you. And um, I want to say... You were really clear in your expectation setting. You are like, let's see if we can do it. I've said yes to a lot, and I really appreciate that, first and foremost. And I'm so honored that you were willing to have this little get together at the end of everything, the tracks of Wintergrass. Um, yeah. I feel all loosey-goosey and mm-hmm. uh, ecstatic, and um, it was so lovely.
1: Thank you. Well, we're thrilled.
0: Yeah, yeah
3: such a pleasure, yeah. especially, too. It has been a busy weekend, you know, but, and this is just, like, the perfect... Little ending it to really it, just just yeah. jamming and just talking right. and love it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Let's play one more, yeah. one more tune. Okay, that sounds great. Should I grab the banjo for one? And that would be maybe great. Maybe doing it up oh.
0: Absolutely. What what tune do y'all want to play? Oh. Fortune. Fortune. Oh, we do. oh yeah, the other verse as well.
4: Okay.
0: When I Wait For You is such a lovely album. Go get your copy at DirkPowell.org. While you're there, check the tour dates in case they're coming to your town. And make sure to follow Dirk Powell on social media so you'll be the first to hear about his new album, Wake. You can support this podcast at Patreon.com slash GetUpInTheCool. That's also linked in the show notes, along with links to my banjo lessons at PitchforkBanjo.com my old-time trio Tall Poppy String Band, my other podcast Think Outside the Box set, and Get Up in the Cool merch. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back
2: same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.